Hi, I'm Chris Fanner, and you're listening to Skateboarder and Postcard. Welcome to the Skateboarder and Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lloyd, and you are listening to Series 6, Episode 3. Well, I've got to admit, I'm still on a huge adrenaline stroke Guinness come down from this weekend's amazing premiere of Rowan Dilly's new documentary, Open All Hours. I flew over there with Rowan um, to basically hang out and just be part of the Irish premiere, which was organised by the good folks at Goblin Skate Magazine and of course Dublin's finest, High Rollers Skate Shop. It was awesome, I got to get involved in the Q&A afterwards and I can't tell you how hyped I am. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it was hosted at the House of Vans and by Vans on their YouTube over the weekend. There will be many further chances to see it because it will be available via all good skate stores soon. Um, But if you want to know more about it, you can actually go back and listen to our episode with Rowan, which was back in series five and it was episode six, where he talks about the project and the issues he had um, through obviously things getting delayed thanks to COVID. Anyway, other than that, and uh, quickly another big shout out to everybody in Dublin that I met. You were all awesome. Seriously, one of the best weekends I've ever had. It was absolutely great. Anyway, 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 back to this episode or at least back to the here and now because actually if I've done this right this episode should go out go out on the first Thursday in March which coincides with World Book Day and of course if you listen to our last episode with the awesome Adam McAvoy um, who came on and talked to us about his history in skateboarding, being the head honcho of drawing boards, and of course his brand new book, 101 Uses for a Skateboard, which is available right now from all good bookshops. Um, and it comes out via Red Fez Books, which is a skateboarder-owned publisher. So good money after good money. And also, have I ever mentioned, I have a book out, it's called What You Missed, You can buy it right now from all good bookstores, but you can also get it from Lariat Skate Store and Welcome Skate Store in Leeds. Or if you want a signed copy, you can get that via my website. Or if you hit me up on Instagram, which is at Matt Lloyd Poet, there's a link in my bio that you can pick yourself up a signed copy direct from me. Anyway, to this episode, which is actually with a gentleman I thought I'd met at a festival. However, as you'll soon find out in the episode, that is not true. Not true at all. Anyway, this guy, absolute gent, is a skateboarder, a poet, a producer, a playwright, and now the author of I Saw a Bird Once. It is with Alex Veles. Enjoy. Alex Vellis, welcome to the podcast. Um, <laughs> I just said that, but I forgot to press record. So, you know, now we're doing it for real. It's a good job we hadn't got too far, I think. That would have been quite embarrassing. So, um, basically, I wanted to do a little bit of history on how we know each other before I then go into all the creepy things I found about you on Google. So I I think, although I may be incorrect, we crossed paths briefly at 
a festival whose name has completely escaped me. Um, so, I think the festival that you mean is something like Vickers, not Vickers Piss. Um, no, the Vickers Picnic. That's it, that's it. Vickers Piss is a band. Yes, yeah. So we briefly crossed paths at the Vickers Picnic, but I'll be honest, I don't remember a lot about that day other than that I think he's the guy that runs um, Whiskey and Beards, your publisher of your latest book. Let's get the plug in real early. So your latest yeah. book called I Saw a Bird Once. And I remember, what's the name of the guy who's the guy behind Whiskey and Beards? Oh, Connor Sandsman. So I remember Connor because very he said a line in one of his poems and it said, uh, being ugly is like playing life on hard mode. And it was just, I mean, dude, I was genuinely yeah. like, wow, you know, and he, it, it was just an, in, it was kind of a weird day because I'd come through somebody else and I didn't know any of you, you guys. Um, and I just remember I had a lot of beer, but I really do remember that. And I remember going up to Connor afterwards and saying, wow, dude, like that, that line alone was worth the journey for getting there. But then, of course, I think that's how, I don't even think, I think he was the only person I spoke to that day, pretty much. I was going to say, um, the day that you're talking about, I wasn't there. Ah. You, what you remember is Connor being like, oh, you should talk to my mate Alex, he skates. Yes, and, maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, that line's a banger though, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Fucking yeah. amazing. So, yeah. You know when you do something, you're just like, God, I wish I'd written that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Every every time I see Sol Williams, yeah, or, yeah, or, or go through Scrooby's Pips back catalogue, right? Always, always horrifically jealous, horrifically jealous. But um, so yeah, no, you are completely right. And then that's how we got talking and Instagram and all that sort of palaver. And then finally, we are here. But I am super slack with the podcast, as many people will tell you. So. I do get there eventually. It just takes me a long time. 2016, I think. Or Was it? Yeah. Wow. I hadn't, I hadn't been um, writing for that long. I hadn't been like a... I'm going to say writing professionally. I'm not sure if you've ever tried writing professionally. I haven't like... It's hard. It's so... Like, you might write a book and it might sell like a thousand copies and you're like, wow, that's so many. That's so much. And then just like, yeah, here's like your check for 300 quid and you're like, oh... <laughs> a thousand copies would be like that sounds quite good doesn't it but, well, financially no, you're, you're right though one of the things i read about you um when it um i was doing my creepy research about you you didn't start writing until your mid-20s i believe yeah. but you had been writing poetry before that but you didn't really know it was poetry is that right yeah yeah, yeah. so it was like um i started so technically i started writing when i was 12 uh, although I could write before that, I didn't just suddenly learn how to write at 12. But um, yes, yeah, so I started writing when I was 12, just for like stuff in school. And because like, I was, you know that, you know those weirdly alternative kids when you were younger and they're just like I, like, I was the first person, of course this is a thing, I was the first person in my school to have dreads as a, as a very skinny white boy from the southeast of England. It was a, it was a look. It was such a strong look. Fortunately, none of those pictures have survived the, uh, the, the so, social media cleansing that I did a few years ago. I was going to uh, say that is it. That is a real strong like, yeah. skinny white dude dreadlocks. 
yeah, at man, 12, like, at 12, that's like, at my school, you would have basically just been putting a target on your back. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, it's, it's. I think I had them up until I was like 14, maybe. It's like, I can't, if I'm completely honest, that whole period of my life in which I started smoking weed at some point disappeared. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone from the memory. I have to make it up from like pictures that I see dotted around and someone's just like, oh, do you remember that time? I'm like, yeah. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so I started around when I was 12. Uh, then I started, uh, I started hanging out in coffee shops as like the original hipster wanker. Uh, um, I love uh, the so, way, like, at least you admit it. Like, oh, and yeah, then I yeah. started hanging out in coffee shops with my dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah like, I, I went from I went from having like uh, from smoking weed in parks and like hanging out in um, and like having dreadlocks and stuff and being like, oh no, man, you just don't really understand my art. You know, you don't really get it. And just with, like the cringiest lines that you could ever ever imagine which um if we're lucky i might bring one up later i don't know i'll have to like dig through the uh the erase part of the memory but um yes yeah, so, and then at 17 i started um hanging out in this coffee shop and my someone that was there was just like oh you know we're doing a poetry night do you want to come along and i was like uh yeah i'm like the only poet in canterbury you know <laughs> I'm the only poet lived here i don't i don't know if you know me it was like just fucking amazing arrogance and ego being like, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm the best. You, you know that, right? <laughs> Do you not know who this is? Yeah. Which is just like so fun to look back on. But um, yeah, <laughs> the irony in that. <laughs> yeah. So fun to look back on. <laughs> glad I'm. I'm not. I was gonna be like, glad I'm not that guy anymore. I'm literally, legitimately not that guy anymore. But it's just like. Oh. You know, I'll tell you what, you know, um, you know, when you sometimes like wake up in the middle of the night and, you're just like, and someone's like, oh, are you okay? And you're just like, oh, I just remember the cringiest thing and it's woken me up. And I, now my whole body is like convulsing and like tightening and then just like, ah. Uh. You know what? I'm, I'm so glad that I am not the only one because I definitely had plenty of those stages and I talk about it. I talk about it all the time. I have those nights all the time where I wake <laughs> up at three o'clock. And I remember something I did or said as a youth and I break out in a cold sweat. And then I yep. just sit staring at the ceiling thinking about one absolute bellend I was, like, <laughs> you know, cool. and I still am like that. I try and limit the cringy yeah. stuff that I say now, but you know, but sometimes it just comes out, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm self-aware enough to be like, Oh, I'm about to say something that in like two years, I'm going to go. Ooh. And then it's up to me on whether or not I actually want to say it. And unfortunately, I usually just be like, yeah, this will be funny for right now. And then it's just like etched into the back of my mind as like a mistake. You've made uh, a mistake. Yeah. So, what, so what happened at this poetry night that you got invited to? That obviously, the Don of Canterbury, yourself, yeah, were going to go to and show them how it's done. Yeah, uh, the Witch King of Canterbury. Um, yeah, so anyway, so yeah, so I, I show up to this thing and I'm all like fucking swagger and like, yeah, boo. You know what I mean? And... Um, <laughs> That's embarrassing in itself. I'm glad I did that whole motion. Talking with Michelle. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I did, did this game. And everyone was like, actually really supportive and really nice because they just see some fucking like spotty little swap sort of wandering around being like, yeah, and what? Um, and then someone was like, oh, do you want to do a gig? I was like, what? And this, this is like a whole like pivotal change, like, change for me because like, I've been writing shit poetry in my bedroom and using poems as a way to like 
make people think that I was interesting. Because <laughs> there was like, you know, there was like, there were lots of skaters in Canterbury, and uh, a lot of them were like really fucking good, if I'm honest, like like really good. And um, you know, they were they were like tray flipping gaps and stuff. Where I was just like, oh no, I'm I'm still just learning how to like do tricks with the nose handle, you know. And um, which was a fucking weird experience, if I'm honest. But um, and I was just like, well, I need like an extra thing about me because like I don't have dreads anymore. Oh, guys, where's, where's the personality gone? Where's the personality gone? But I felt like Samson just lost it all. Also, just to clarify, when I took my dreads out, didn't shave my head. I took them out individually and then had to like then grew my hair out, so it ended up coming down to like my belly button. Um, so wow. and so you can just imagine the condition that that was in for the whole time. <laughs> it was a. Uh, you were really like cementing that look like full on you're like i've done dreads to death now i'm gonna do long hair done dread look yeah i was the i remember uh, i remember walking through school once actually and someone's like oh what are you listening to and i was listening to just some death metal from some band that i, I don't even like like as an adult don't like them don't think i liked them as a kid but i like the idea that other people wouldn't like it that guy oh my god <laughs> At least you're honest about it, though, dude. And I, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, talking of skating, though, I also going through your back catalogue, which also included your LinkedIn. On your LinkedIn, you listed yourself as a pro skater and event coordinator for Militia, Skate, Militia Skateboards. And Militia Skateboards UK was the UK arm of Militia Skateboards, which was, I did write this down somewhere, Romanian skateboard yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. How, just, how on earth did you get hook up, hooked up with a Romanian skateboard company? So um, my my buddy, he was like, um, I used to skate like a lot in Canterbury. And like, if it, if you take me, take me to a skate park, I can't do a single thing. I can't drop in, can't skate any sort of transition, any way, shape or form. Like I suck, I'm terrible. But you put me in like some grotty street spot in which most of the ground is actually gravel and there's a piece of broken wood, tear it up. That's great time. Right, that's, that's, that's my bread and butter. Like, I love that. But um, yeah, so I was skating in some car park somewhere. And, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of us. And um, my mate Rob came down. I can't actually, can't remember his last name. Oh, no, I can't pronounce his last name. Soralis? Oh, I saw him on the militia website. Yeah, but I'm just going to butcher that. So apologies. But um, so, yeah, we're skate- um, he comes down, he's skating, he's just like, yeah, I run uh, run militia, I'm here for uni. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Skate for, like, a while. Uh, we end up, like, uh, you know, <laughs> I drank my first um, first homemade Romanian liquor with him, which I thought was going to be, you know, I've still got that, like, that youthful arrogance about me, being like, this will be fine. Like, this is cool. I imagine uh, no homemade liquor from Romania is going to end well unless you're Romanian. Yeah, no, I, do you know what? Right? So it's the only place that I've uh, ever been in which you do a shot and you have a water chaser. You just like just gonna have a water chaser, and it's so like um, they give you like a, <laughs> uh, they give you like a 500 ml bottle of uh, Polinka, I think it's called, and um, they're just like, yeah, look, you don't want to hammer through this. This is a sipping drink. We're going to be sipping it all day. I'm like, yeah, cool. And they're pouring out like these tiny little measures, just like sitting away. And the first one is like, it's like being hit in the face with a train. It's like a, your whole face is like, and it is, I don't want to go as far as saying agony, but it is 
the nearest I can get to agony without drinking acid. You know, my whole throat is just suddenly on fire. I can like, I've never had clear, clearer sinuses in my life. I suddenly, this is amazing. It's like the first time I can breathe. But um, yeah, and it's just like just this horrendous thing. And then the second one, it's a little bit less bad. And you're just like, okay, this is odd. And then by the fourth one, you're just like, oh, this is fine. And I see it away. And then by the sixth one, you're unconscious. You're just flat out, flat out. Like no idea how strong this is. Like it's just essentially ethanol that you chase down with water. Mm. But like made out of plums or dates or something. And um, I, remember, I remember I was there with a, I'd showed up to this, uh, we'd gone for drinks. And I brought down a, a lady friend of mine, very interested in the time. I was sitting there and it got, she wasn't drinking this fucking gnarly drink, right? And she ended up being like, am I going to have to carry you home? And I just like, just like six shots, just sort of like slurring around. And like, she was like, I'm going to take you to Weatherspoons and get you a burger. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're still friends, but like. Yeah, no, no. If it's homemade in Romania, I'm not having it. So, so anyway, you're hanging out with these dudes. Oh, and yeah, they sorry. get you on militia, right? So how, how, how did that happen? So it was literally just, um, I appreciate that like, I'm not the best skater in Canterbury by any stretch of the imagination, like even now. In fact, now I'm old and my leg blows out whenever I skate. But um, so I was, at the time, I was still pretty good. Like, I was the only one that could do like a lot of tricks in like nolly and switch, you know? Yeah. Like, nothing skating fakey, pretty good at skating nolly switch. But um yeah, so I was chatting away, chatting away with Rob, and I was like, look, help, let me give you a hand. I'll invite basically everyone that I know in Canterbury to come support militia and start doing stuff like that. So I started like uh, doing things like that and then helping them out with like social media stuff and like so on and so forth. And I was like, if you get the opportunity to, can you chuck me a T-shirt? And he was just like, yeah, maybe. And this goes on for like a few months and me just like helping out here and there. And he's, uh, he's, he's wanting to put a, um, he's wanting to build a mini ramp and then start a uh, like a like a skate school, yeah, uh, for for young people in in Canterbury. And what year like, is yeah, this? No. Like, what year is this? Uh, two thousand and I was twenty six. So like whatever. How old am I now? No, I was I was younger than that. Actually, I think I was twenty five. Um, that was like eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, go and like help you out as much as you can. He turns around and one day he's just like, look, man, you skate every single day without fail. Like even, um, so I was working and I was working in sales, like, and not like good sales. I was working like door-to-door marketing sales, like piece of shit sales. And I think the other time I was working in a factory, I was working in a giant freezer in November that uh, when I when I left the giant freezer, I had to like uh, take layers off because it was so cold in there and it was like boiling comparatively going outside. You know, real classic job. And um, <laughs> it's just not good. But um, yeah, so he's like, you still skate every single day. Uh, you're like, you do a lot of stuff in the community. Um, you know, you're a good person to have on the team. And I was just like, oh, thanks, man. Like not connecting anything here. And he was just like, do you want to come like, uh, be on the team and I'm just like yeah I thought you just said that I was like doing a social media and he was like no no that's not what I mean and I'm like okay what do you mean he's like would you like to be sponsored and I was like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that would be fucking amazing bro 
Like that was that was like, I mean, like, I didn't I didn't ever think I was going to get sponsored. It was never like it's not my like dream thing to do, you know. It was just like I just wanted to skate and have fun and like hang out with my friends and build shit out of other shit. Yeah, and just that was that was the goal. And uh, he turns around and he's just like, "Yeah, man. So um, do you want like a you know go offer you a code sponsorship with a board?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be sick, bro. Like that would be fucking insane. Are you kidding?" He's just like, "Yeah, man. Like uh, whenever you go and do contests and stuff, uh, if you podium players, then you know you get money as well." And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, like probably not going to happen, but thanks. Appreciate that." Wow, they uh, had it, they had it together, man. Like you know, yeah, I mean. I mean uh, what, what, I mean, for a start, that's sorting you out properly. But the, when you think about it now, like there's a myriad of skate schools out there. <clears throat> Some of them run by good friends of mine that are excellent skate schools. But back in 2015, there wasn't a myriad of skate schools out there. You know, like we've all been doing stuff in the community, but, you know, as is skateboarding, but there wasn't a lot of skate schools out there. And there's definitely, as skateboarding has become more popular and mainstream i suppose over the last 10 years that yeah. sort of thing has then become a, you know like a much bigger business but i mean yeah. back then you know in canterbury did canterbury have anything to skate back then because you were saying they were talking about building a mini ramp and yeah so um all the <laughs> all the good spots to skate in canterbury um you get thrown out of in like five ten minutes like it's and they're like they're cool spots they're like um up at ukc for, uh, up at university of kent for example uh, it's got loads of ledges, uh, loads of ledges, rails, stairs, fucking huge stairs, actually. Like, stair sets that you look at and just go, no. <laughs> like, you know, like 19 steps and just like, nah, that's how cool. Uh, so, you know, it's like, I'm, actually, I'm actually now in my 30s, bro, so like, I really want to try that. <laughs> like, if I hit the floor now, I ain't getting back up. But, um, yeah, so, but, you know, they've, all, they've always got campus security. And a campus security up there, kind of dickheads. Like, I, I, I did the uh, the fatal thing. I ended up, um, you hear that siren? I live next to a main road. Oh, wow. I was going to, do you know what? Right now, I, I thought it could be at my end. I wasn't sure. I was... Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did the, the fatal thing. So uh, I used to, I stopped skating for a little bit um, due to just a numerous injuries. But um, I ended up working up a, this uh, up at the library at UKC as their nighttime security guard. And I was just like, I feel like I've suddenly become the enemy. You know, I'm <laughs> to that guy being like, oh, can you, you know, having to wander around at three in the morning and be like, guys, can you, can you please stop having sex in the library? Um, it's Hey, that is crazy. Because was this before or after you did your MA there? Oh, like ages, ages before. Ages. Yeah. So like, I did my MA when I was 30, I think. Yeah, which is crazy, right? So, and you did it at UKC, right? Yeah. So you did, so you skated there, got kicked up by all the security guards. You then became their night security person, worked in the yeah. library overnight as well, right? Yeah. And then you ended up doing an MA there as well. Yeah, so hilariously, the entire time that I did the MA, technically, I was banned from the campus, which is really funny. <laughs> um, banned from the campus for skating, right? I think I think I got a lifelong ban like four or five times in the entire time that uh, that, I, that I used to hang out there. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so skated there from I skated there from like uh, two thousand and like two thousand and six to like two thousand and fourteen. 
Yeah. Like every the weekend, just go up there, just skate there for like maybe two hours if you're lucky. Actually, like just have to move around spots and like dodge the uh, dodge, dodge the security. But oh yeah, I just remembered on their um, on the what used to be the security hut, there was like two like on the roof, there were like two sloped um, like roof bits. Nice. I don't know. Yeah, so like if you could get there quickly, it'd be like at the end of the day when they're like chasing everyone else off, you could get onto the roof and then skate the the uh, the roof of the security there. Nice. That's that. That's my kind of bag. I'm definitely I'm completely yeah. opposite to you in regards to skating now. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm 43, 44 nearly, and my yeah, busted. But I'll skate transition all day. Like, love it. So. Yeah, stick me in a crusty street and I'll just talk about the memories. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, and but then, you know, take me to a skateboard or a bowl, you know, then I'm straight in, like, you know, I'm all good. I'm thinking about trying to relearn. So like I think it would be uh is it less impactful on your knees? Definitely, hips? definitely. That's why I mean, I'm sure some people will correct me, but that's why a lot of dad crew, they all have like they all skate transition because it does like I mean for me I've got and not to not to go into it, but I've got a knackered knee from years of skating and running and stuff. And skating transition, obviously, you're not jumping down anything unless you're you come off when you're skating something big, which does happen. But yeah. you know, then get yourself some knee pads and learn how to knee slide, and then you'll sort of limit that as well. So yeah, definitely. <clears throat> you know, I mean, my crew that I currently skate with, Gentlemen's Club, is uh, from twelve to sixty four. You oh know, wow really all yeah yeah like uh all 63 i, I think marcus is he's like 63 god if he listens to this and i've got his age wrong he's gonna tell me off but yeah i think 63 i think <laughs> i put a post up saying he's old enough to have bullied your dad's dad but like you know like but he is like but yeah i mean transition skating definitely definitely better for your knees than that but but anyway so let, let's <laughs> let's get to it right so so basically you're you've been going to ukc you skating there, getting thrown out of there. You end up working there, but then you decide to do an MA in creative writing. Now, you've obviously been doing poetry for a little while at this point. Yeah. What made you want to do an MA in creative writing? So uh, initially, I didn't actually want to do one at all because I, I don't, I don't have an undergrad degree. I don't have a BA or a BSc or I don't know what the other types are. Um, right. say You're asking the wrong man right here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was. During that time, from about 2017, I think, um, I was producing events in Canterbury as like, a way to make money, and I was doing poetry events. So, like, you know, a few people that, interestingly, one of the skaters that um, I used to skate with in um, some, like, proper jank car park, he, his girlfriend worked in a coffee shop, and he told her that I was, that I wrote poetry, and then her manager uh, set up, like, a face-to-face -face for me to start running poetry gigs in their coffee shop. Oh, like just as a, as a full circle thing, I've been helping out there. Um, so I stopped running gigs there like a few years ago, uh, just because like, you know, spaces and stuff. <clears throat> and um, and now their, uh, their new assistant manager contacted me being like, hey, do you want to, could you come help me out with this? And I was like, isn't that a weird like full circle sort of thing? I like, just... Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, so I started running poetry events with them, and they and I was you know, I was killing it. I was getting paid like a reasonable wage for like putting on an event a month. It wasn't like nice. anything amazing. It was like hundred pounds something like that, and um, and I didn't have to pay for drinks, which was a fucking touch. Because, Excellent. 
Yeah, they were like they're like five pounds a pint, and I'm just like, this is in Canterbury, brother. Are you mad? Like, are you are you okay? I'm not paying five pounds a pint. Yeah, but um, fucking London. What's wrong with you? Anyway, but um, so yeah, I started doing all these gigs. Then I started getting asked to do uh, produce more events. Um, I ended up being asked to be the assistant producer for a literary festival, uh, and that came with like a real wage. Like this is this that's is like wise a, words, right? You're talking about yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. I I learned more than like I learned everything that I know about producing poetry events and like um, a lot and a tremendous amount about social media marketing. I learned under the um, the tutelage, if you like, of of the people that I worked for. And I, like, I don't have a single bad thing to say about. Them. I really, you know, like at every job, there's always just like one little bit or something. Not a single thing. Like they're by far, if anything, my only negative comment could be that like i was spoiled with how good it was there yeah yeah like you know there was i remember one time like i i was uh, getting a lift to work like, i didn't even have to pay to like get it. but i get a lift to work and um i was they were like oh you're right and i was just like yeah i'm really tired i've got a bit of a headache and they're like oh do you, do you want the day off and i was like um no I, you know I really, I really i appreciate that but i really need the money and they were just like that's cool man like you know your well-being is important to us like if you if you feel that you can't work today you get a day off and we'll pay you for it. I was like, what's the catch? Yeah, yeah. What's like, happening here? Am I going to get fired for this? And they were just like, no, no. And it's like, is it, you're, you have to look after yourself. And I was like, oh, um, no, I, 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 don't think, I don't think I need the day off, if I'm honest. Like, uh, I can still like do the job. And they were like, okay, cool. Jump in. I was like, that's sweet. Got it. And these are the people, uh, these are the people that you currently work for, right? Uh, no, no. So, like, uh, I currently do like lots of little things for lots of places. There isn't. Like, I don't have like a stable point of income, which is um, a fucking nightmare. If I'm honest, oh my god, what would think going self-employed? It was the, I mean, best decision of my life. But, oh, oh, like, what ha- what happens if I don't get an invoice in on time? Or like, what happens if an invoice is paid late? And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? How do I eat? And then it, I, you know, it always turns out to be fine. But Mate, you've got some proper balls. I'm too. I'm too scared to not work for the man. So, so, so you're no longer wise no. words poet in residence and the producer for those guys. Yeah, so technically assistant producer. Like my job title said producer, but my job role was definitely like assistant producer. <laughs> I just, I wasn't. I did some. I did some really cool stuff. And I got to see like my favorite poet in the my favorite poet in the entire world, and I got to book him. Um, I got to haggle with his manager. <laughs> Who, who's just your like, favourite poem in the a poet in the entire world? Uh, Shane Coyzan. He's uh, he was the Canadian uh, Winter Olympics poet in oh uh, god I can't remember the year. I want to say 2011, I think, but that might be 2012 because that's when the Winter right. Olympics. Were. I can't remember. It's like yeah, it's a number. You have to send me his name because I, I saw I saw some of the videos online about the Wise Words Festival and it looked rad, like with uh, Lem Sisse and stuff like that. Um, and it looked, it did look absolutely awesome. It looked kind of beautiful, if I'm honest. So whoever filmed it as well, it was like, right, really, really amazing. Um, but what I like about some of the stuff that I've read about you in interviews, um, there was one interview where you talked about, um, well, one where you were very um, uh, self-deprecating about your fo- your first book. Uh, what was it? Terrible. Hold on, I've got notes in front of me. It was called Journal Entries. Oh my god, I forgot about that one altogether. 
Bro, that is awful. It's an awful book. I know, but but what I like <laughs> about it is, I mean, one that 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 is the reaction you have, but but it was um, a book that you put out for Amazon, right, back in the day. Uh, well, it's, do you know what? It's technically it's even before that. It was um, journal entries was my was self published, but like I didn't want to do stuff through Amazon, so I literally just made them, made each individual book myself. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, Amazon back in the day as well, they were right shysters back in the day. Because I, I remember my first one I put out myself, demo tape, and I got it done through Lulu Press, which was yeah. basically like they did the Amazon thing before Amazon. But then when you put it through Amazon to make any profit from the book, I had to sell the book for like 25 quid or something, which I never did. I just made no money and just put it out that way. And just because so, selling it at gigs, obviously that's where you make your dough because it's in hand, you're not, you know, but yeah, no, but I mean, I remember that I did actually see the front cover of it as well. And it looked like you'd taken a screenshot off like a phone or a, a some sort of status profile or something. It was only oh, quick in a video. It's a oh, now he's going to see if he can dig it out. I've got this. This one's the one from Everything Is Terrible. Is oh yes, one? yeah, yeah. That's the cover I've seen. Actually, sorry. Uh, yeah. Everything is terrible. <laughs> yeah, so, no, yeah, so, so yeah. you've got journal entries which you put out yourself. Then you've got Everything Is Terrible, but Everything Is Terrible turns into a show, right? Yeah. So Everything Is uh, Terrible was. It's not like a. It's not like a like a play or anything like that. It's like it's just literally me embodying the character of the person who wrote it which yeah. i appreciate it's still me but like from a wildly different point in my life but the, the idea behind everything is terrible was that um it was meant to be everything is terrible and then it suddenly gets better and i had a really bad year like the what like you know um me and my i was working as that fucking nighttime librarian security guard thing and um and i developed like crippling insomnia and then at the same time as doing that, I was also having to, well, I wasn't having to, but I chose to, uh, try building up my career as a poet, which meant that I had, to, I was doing like meetings during the day. So I was working 10 till seven, 10 till half seven, I think. And then, then having to walk from UKC to my house, which was like a 45 minute walk um, or thereabouts. It's like, it's quite far away. Um, and then I'd have meetings at like 10 to like two. So I was suddenly doing like, 15 hour days or whatever, well, I'm not very good at maths, but long days, but like every other day, plus not being able to sleep. So I remember one time I was, um, I was awake for two days, like two days solidly, days and nights. Uh, then I slept for 20 minutes and then I was awake for three days. Ugh. Yeah. And I was like, by the end of it, I was like, I'm pretty sure my skin is made out of lava, but I don't understand how arms work. How does an arm work? And then eventually I just like crashed black out. I'm really like unconscious for like a day, get up and then have to go to work again. So um, yeah, so I was just having this awful time. Then my relationship broke down. Um, so I was uh, engaged with someone, engaged with someone. And um, which is, that was a nightmare relationship in the first place. But like, let's not, let's not dwell on that. Yeah, but, um, hindsight, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah, no. Always. Like a lot of the poems in Everything is Terrible are poems written about this woman and how awful our life was. <laughs> but, um, yay, sold, sold a bunch. Anyway, but, um, yeah, so then just to, then to make matters, so she moves out. Uh, then my parents have this fucking massive row. My stepdad has to come live with me, right? Which is, like, it's, it's cool. Like, at the time, I had a spare room. Um, 
I didn't, by the way, I wasn't making like fucking bank or anything like that. I just happened to get a really good deal on the house. And um, yeah, that was sweet. That was fun. Yeah, so, so me and my fiance break up. She moves out. I've got insomnia. Uh, my dad comes to live with me and I am just generally not having a good enough. Yeah. And that, yeah. so even when things started getting better, because I, oh yeah, and then like my, uh, my new housemate, obviously you have to have the rent. Um, her boyfriend was like a fucking psycho. Like just would they would have like screaming rows and he'd be like, bah! and just like hit a, hit a wall or a door or something. And I'm like, you're also massive. So I'm gonna try and like make sure she's okay, but at the same time, please don't murder me in my sleep. Yeah, I you can know? see I can I can see uh, that th- things weren't going so well. <laughs> now, it cracked my front door. Yeah, like, it oh. doesn't sound like you're having a good time at this point. Now, do, you know what, do you know what? The I know this is a ridiculous point to bring up, but like the the most ridiculous thing is that when it got to a point in which I was comfortable, you know, to start like maybe going out, meeting people, dating again, that sort of thing. I was like, okay. They'd be like, yeah. So you know, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a poet, which is already sounds like a fake job. Thanks. But uh, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a poet. And they're like, okay. So you're unemployed, and you can just see that look of like, sure, of course you are. Oh, um, mate, don't, don't, don't. And then they're also just like, oh, how old are you? And at this point, I'm like 28 or something. So, like, And the people that I'm talking to are like 25, and they're just like, oh, you're so old. And I'm like, I'm literally three years older than you. But yeah, oh, dude, yeah. yeah. And then just to like, even if I get past all of this fucking bullshit I have to put up with, it's just like, oh, so who do you live with? And it's like, oh, okay, so it's me, uh, my mate, my mate Sam and Jess, and, uh, and, my, and my stepdad, and they're like, you're 28 and live with your dad. And I'm like, no, he fucking lives with me, bro. I paid the bill. My name on the council tax. And they're just like, of course it is. And I'm just like, oh, fuck's sake. So yeah, so that's the like, so on top of all that other shit, I'm also just not able to get laid at all because everyone thinks I'm a, I'm a late 20s man with, living with my dad. And I'm just like, this is... So, so, so at this point, you're like, this is definitely the best time to put out a book right now. Yeah, well, it's just like something's got to change because, like, this this was going to be my first uh, proper book. So I did like journal entries and um, what was the other one called? Uh, Talking with Impossible Gods, which was just like uh, a little free ebook that I put out of everything that I've done up until that point um, that wasn't going in the ebook. And lots of people were just like, "This is really good," but there's there's like a ridiculous amount of spelling mistakes. And I was like, some of these times I wrote when I was 16, man, stop judging me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, give me shit for it. Just like, either you know, I mean, it, it's one of them things, like, I, I do think you learn. I always go back to when I first started doing poetry and putting poetry out there. I once emailed Ray Hollingsworth because he used to put, he used to have loads of books out back in the day and he used to put his email address at the back, which seems like such a bougie thing to do back then. And I remember yeah. asking him because I was like, because he would have spelling mistakes in his book. And yeah. basically I was, I was worried. I was young and I was like, oh my God, I have no real style as a poet. It's just all over the spot. What am I doing wrong? And, and, and Ray Hollingsworth mailed me back and he was just like, dude, just let it come out as it comes out, you know? And that was what he said about his books and why they had spelling mistakes in because that's how the poem was created. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't, now I wouldn't do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've got to, you know, get somebody to spell check the crap out of this, get the editor in there. But, you know, like it makes a lot of sense and it's kind of part of that, like, you know, you put out journal entries, then you put out the next one and it's all about building towards, well, I mean, right now it's building towards your new book, I Saw a Bird Once. 
but like yeah. i kind of appreciate stuff like that and i think i i am unlike you though because like yeah i i i there's definitely stuff i've put out that i'm like i've learned from but there's nothing where i'm like straight up like thank god that doesn't exist anymore it's <laughs> like <laughs> The issue with like journal entry specifically is that it's also got drawings in it, and the drawings are kind of like cute. But you've got to remember that I can't fucking draw. <laughs> um, and like, there's stuff that's like glued in. It, it looks like a fucking, it looks like a glue bomb exploded on a paper mache facility. I don't know why I didn't just say building, but whatever. Um, yeah, so it's just like, I think I also I was they were taking like twenty like solid twenty four hours to make, and I was selling them for a tenner. And I had a back order of like fucking 30 or 40 of them. I was like, I can't produce this this quickly. <laughs> like, I can't I can't fucking do this. And I ended up having to be like, look, sorry. Um I'm gonna only make 10. It's like exclusivity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's the shit that'll be worth the money though back in the day. So then oh. so then okay, so then you get to your next book. Sorry. Um what did you say? conversations with gods. Uh, yeah, talking with impossible gods. Talking with impossible gods. I'm good at titles, apparently. Also, I really like how similar journal entries and demo tapes is. I, I feel like that's that says like so so much about where where we were in like uh, writing stages in our lives. Like the because they're like oh, definitely, the same definitely. Thing. definitely, definitely. So 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 this book, so the the gods book. You're <laughs> you're like it's my first proper book. But what makes it your first proper book? Um, it was the first one that went out through a publisher. So yeah. even though it was like a, an ebook, it was the first one that like someone else had like looked at and been like, this is good. As opposed to me just being like, I'm telling you this is good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was so it was like it was just that that affirmation that um that someone saw worth in the stuff that I was doing, as opposed to just me being like, this is this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, but yeah, so it was, it was a really nice uh, turning point for me because I'd never really shown people anything that I was writing until um, until I performed. And even then, I wasn't really editing anything either, which is so weird for me now because, like, I'm a poetry editor. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? I, I, I get national standard rates on editing poetry, which is great. And it's like it's really affirming for me to come from this point in which like everyone's got spelling mistakes and like grammar. What's that? Do you know what? Do you know what? I was gonna I was gonna send you a copy of my book after this, but now I'm a bit worried. No, do we'll have another chat. I'll interview you. Then I'll th th then I'll just put you onto my editor, <laughs> who will then complain and say it's all my fault anyway. So, but no, 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 no. So you so you so you put that book out, um, and. I mean, yeah, I, it's it's such a weird because I talk to a lot of people now, especially dudes who started their own publishing company about yeah. the old gatekeepers. And it's that what you said before about that sort of affirming that somebody else has sort of said, like, yeah, this is good. And it makes yeah. you feel like, oh, actually, you know, Maybe like, if, yeah, if somebody else is going to do it, then this is this is kind of rad. But at the same time, when you were putting the books together yourself, and it was taking you a day to put the book together and you're selling it for a tenner. You're still doing that yourself. And the affirmation is that people want to buy it. So the, so with, if we, let's have this conversation. Let's, let's have this. So 
there is a lot to be said about going through a publisher and there's a lot to be said about um, self-publishing. And I appreciate both sides, uh, they're, both, they're two sides of the same coin, of course. So the affirmation when you go through certain publishers, because it is only with certain publishers. So, you know, if, like Whiskey and Beards is a grassroots punk publisher. So even though, yes, there were spelling mistakes and yes, the grammar was like non-existent, the, the Connor Sansby, the poetry editor at the time, um, also mm -hmm. like the, I don't know, CEO, what, what the fuck is that word? But, um, the, yeah, head he was, honcho, he, the head honcho of Whiskey and Beards. Yeah, yeah the, the top dog, the, the Whiskey and Beards bear. That's a fucking weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he, um, you know, he looked at it and he said, like, there is merit here. You know, there's, like, who cares about the spelling? Who cares about the grammar? The content that you're, that you're producing is something that, there's something that I like. So I, as Connor, like, something that I like. Mm. It's like, cool, that's fucking random. He was like, yeah, and I looked at your other stuff, and I like that too. I'd have, I'd have published that as well. And I'm like, thanks, man. But then at the same time of self-publishing, sorry, on the, on the same bollocks, uh, on the same side of that, you then get people that, like, if you don't do something that fits their sp specific publishing style, then they'll shut you down and they'll just be like, no, this isn't... Like, can you imagine if I took something with, like, spelling mistakes and grammatical errors and stuff in it to, like, Carcanet or, like, Faber and Faber or Blood Axe or something, they'll be like, what the fuck is this? And it's no, which is kind of... It's, it's, I, I totally feel you. Like, it's kind of... You definitely have to find somewhere where you're wanted because that yeah. definitely helps. Um, but at the same time, I think, um, I suppose I was a bit, I was a bit the other way around. I spent my time working for different publishers, never getting my own stuff published other than in anthologies, but they loved yeah. me at gigs. They loved me to stand up in front of a crowd and what I call gob off, but you know what I mean? Do you spoken word thing? Um, but uh, when it came down to them actually sorting me out and signing on the dotted line to do it, do my own collection, it never happened. So then I then started doing my own. And then it's only recently that I've got published for a publisher and stuff. And I definitely sit there some days and I'm like, there's definite pros and cons to both, especially in the 2020 landscape. Yeah. But I definitely see what you're saying. Like whiskey and beards is a good home because it fits. Connor runs it. He's obviously a talented dude. Yeah. You know? So yeah, no, definitely. He's like, yep. they're like the, the massive pros of like self-publishing are obviously that like your work gets out there and they're like, it might just be that there isn't a publishing house that fits, uh, that you fit into necessarily. And that doesn't mean that the work's bad. It just means that there isn't a publishing house where your work fits into. And mm. that's, that's fine. That's like, that's totally fine. It's, it could be like numerous things. So, so for example, you're fucking love the gigs uh, for just essentially bobbing off, right? And that's cool. But maybe those poems haven't necessarily translated uh, the way the a publisher wants it to on the page. No, or definitely. Maybe... And that was that was definitely 100%. The main dudes I used to do it for, that was definitely 100%. And that was something that I had to learn <laughs> from, you know, like just reading a lot of poetry and seeing other poets. And I eventually learned how to put them on a page so that yeah. they could then be seen and read and sort of the reader itself could understand almost how it runs through in my head, but the original yeah. version looked like an absolute mess. So, and if that, that's the same thing with like a lot of the poems that I've written in the past is that before I learned how to actually do, uh, I'm going to call it page craft, 
That yeah, makes cool. sense. Yeah, page, yeah. page poetry. Yeah, page rock. Uh, the, the ergodic nature of poetry. <laughs> Dude, um, I'm so bad. I'm so, <laughs> I have to say this now so I can get it out and then it's out in the ether. But this kid um, who I know is an amazing poet. He writes beautiful poetry. Um, I've probably got... I'm looking for his book behind me. People can't see this on this, but I've definitely got one of his books here somewhere. Oh God, he's going to kill me. I'm just going to insert it really, really dodgily. Like his name is Julian, but, um, but he was putting something up on the internet the other day and he asked me a poem. He asked me, um, cause he was reproducing something I'd written and he, he asked me a question. He was like, I'm, uh, I've looked at this and, uh, it goes over the page, but I'm taking it that it's part of the same stanza. And I was like, what? I kind of had to Google it, but only because I didn't, when I put the poem together, I wasn't really thinking about, I'm not thinking about structure like that yeah. because that particular poem is, yeah, just, it isn't, that's not the way that I thought about it. It was just scribbled out. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and then when he asked me this question and I know how beautiful his stuff looks and sounds and it's so crazy, it's it, in my brain, it's like mind-blowingly intelligent. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing, man. Like, well, if it's, if it's not something that you've had to do before, why would you learn how to do it? I know that sounds like a really, like a dumb thing to say. It's just like, for example, I don't know how to speak French. I also don't go to France. So yeah, yeah likelihood of me learning it just on my own volition pretty low pretty fucking yeah. low. <laughs> it's not a beautiful language no because like i've got a little brother that lives in france he and i find it incredibly difficult to communicate am i going to learn french probably not not something that comes up all the time but and it's, it's the same thing like if you have never had to learn how to like you know put stuff on the page if you don't have to learn the like the terms and stuff like why if it it like, does it does sound super intelligent though when people talk to me about it and i'm like wow i have no idea i just scribble it down and it is what it is like that makes me sound terrible but you know but um but either way through your career of poetry in the books etc you've also been a 2015 wise word slam champion oh yeah yeah very nice, very nice. which for listeners uh, who have no idea what slamming is <laughs> it's kind of like because uh, I used to do lots of slams back in the day in London and I avoid them like the plague now, no, but it's too. a little bit like battle rapping, but basically <laughs> you do, you kind of do a poem and everybody does a poem and then a bunch of people you either love or hate, depending on how many points they give you, judge you and then, yeah, you either go through or you don't. And then in yeah. the end, you're the king. Like, so if you're the 2015 wise word slam champion, that means yeah. you won over everybody else. Also, uh, just to clarify, it's uh, technically <coughs> Grand Slam champion. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, yeah, sorry. The 2015 Wise Words Grand Slam champion. Nice. But please, please hold your applause, peasants. Hold your applause. <laughs> do you still do? Now. Do you still do? Uh, don't. This is reminding me of a poetry night I went to not so long ago where this lady came and she kept saying, all hail the bard. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this ain't for me, man. <laughs> fucking stop doing that, bro. That's weird. It's just giving like, and like people listening to this, that's not what poetry gigs are like. Like people, when they're like, oh, do people click their fingers? I'm like, dude, of all the time I've ever done poetry, one person clicked their fingers at a gig when it was me, Scroobius Pip, Nathan Pendlington, I think was there. And 
they clicked their fingers and the whole room looked at them like they were insane. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, bruv? This is England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? And I think they were like an American tourist. And but I was Which, like, dude, what? No, stop, stop. You say that, right? You say that, but we get we get a lot of clicking, a lot of clicking down in the southeast. Nice. Like, like we get a, and like I under, like I totally understand it. I understand it, and it's like I've been I've had it drilled into my head that you hear a line that you like to click so that you don't put the obviously the audience off, uh, put the poet off. But at the same time. I mean, I appreciate that, like, this isn't going out as a video, is it? No, well, we might do some snippets. Okay, so, like, look at me. Look at me. Do I look like... I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm literally wearing a T-shirt with a picture of myself on it. Like, nice, strong. I shouldn't strong. be clicking. I look like a cock. Like, just just cheer, just give me, just give me a good... Yeah. Mate, I need to come. I need to come to Canterbury and go to some gigs where people click because I have never, honestly, I swear once, once I've seen that happen. But prolific, it's prolific here. People love the click, the, the clicks and the clicks. It's, the click and the that, click. that is absolutely. I can't even. I actually can't mentally compute it. So I'm going to move on to your new book. I, yeah, yeah I genuinely can't. I gen, but do you do slam? Do you do slams anymore? All right. So um. Not yet. okay, so I do do them, but I don't go there with uh, any intention of winning. Uh, I go there to support my mates, I go there to yeah. fill in if anyone's dropped out, and I go there. I've been doing uh, taking pretty much every gig that I can get at the moment, uh, because I want to be able to say through a mic, I've got a new book and you should buy it. Here's where you can get it from, of course. So, and it's yeah. not exactly been easy the last few years to try and get gigs because they, I mean, certainly when we we're coming out of the pandemic. I had loads booked up and they all got cancelled and it's just been an absolute ball. Yeah, I, I lost like, um, in the first two weeks of the pandemic, I lost like two and a half grand's worth of gig. Oh. Gigs? Yeah, worth of gig. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I just got paid two and a half grand for one gig. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I, I lost like a tremendous amount of money there. Did you, did you in your research, did you hear about uh, Winchester Fest? No, no. Okay, so... Uh, so me and Connor, we ran a we ran an online poetry festival for 102 days in a row. Wow. Yeah, it was. By the way, probably the fucking worst thing that I've ever done in my life. Like it was rewarding and great, and I got to see loads of cool shit. But imagine having to work. So I um, I he and I took one day off each in that whole time. So I had mine off at like uh, within the first 20 days, I think. Why would you do this? Like, why would you have a, a hundred plus day online festival? Because our agreement was, we were just like, yeah, no, we'll just like, you know, the, um, the lockdown is not going to be that long. It's going to be like a couple of weeks. That'll be fine. So we're just like, yeah, we'll just do it every day. And we branded it. It's like, you know, a poetry festival for every day of the pandemic. So that it will just build up whiskey. And every day of the pandemic. How little we knew. How <laughs> yeah, little yeah. we knew. Me, yeah, it was like 102 days straight. Connor took his his only day off on day 80, I think, and I did mine on like day 22, and then we just like fucking hammered through it for the rest of the time. And it was, I appreciate what, it, but what did you have? Where did you have like guest poets on, or was it you and Connor every night? Or oh no, dude, we we had like. Uh, I don't remember how many unique poets we had on it. It was something like uh, 200 unique poets. Nice. Uh, we, we went from having a viewership on Whiskey Bid, we went from having a viewership of like, um, 
don't know, I don't know, like two hundred a month to like fifty thousand. Sick. Like, fucking good. Like, I, I did, I did gigs in like the states. We had the, we had the Beat Poet Laureate of uh, the two thousand nineteen Beat Poet Laureate of the United States come and do a gig for us for free. How do you become the Beat Poet Laureate of the United States? Be really like, fucking good. Yeah. Like wow. <laughs> that's, that's what I got that. That's, I don't know how to do it. But um, it's, yeah, it's a really chill guy. He's like a 60 year old dude that just travels around the country doing beat poetry. Oh, amazing. Amazing. And he got in by the Beat Society. So. You're going to have to send me some names after this that oh. I can look up. And I interviewed a man that dresses up as a horse and plays metal. Now we've gone totally off piste right now. <laughs> it was dude, It was insane. It was like this fucking, this dude that I fucking Zoom call and I'm interviewing him about a, um, and he's wearing a horse head. Yeah, he's wearing a horse head, and we're talking to him. And I'm, I'm not addressing the fact that he's a horse. In nice, doing straight, keeping it straight, keeping it yeah. straight. I just like just having having a chat. I'm just like, so yeah. What sort of metal? What sort of metal do you play? And he's like, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm in a band called um, Petrol Horse. We play with like petrol bastards. I'm like, okay, what's that? And we just have this entire dialogue and then like eventually he uh, he actually asked me if i wanted to come and be one of his uh one of his animal uh so he when he plays music live he gets a load of people to dress up like animals and like gives them costumes and stuff and then they just go and dance around on stage with him whilst he plays anyway but um, that's not as weird as it sounds mate i used to have a friend who dressed like a robot and did that for a, for a long time with the mighty boosh lot so you yeah, know, like, like yeah, that that could be good. I mean, this is this is one of the crazy things that I think I found during the pandemic was I did actually get to do some cool stuff that I wouldn't have done if the pandemic hadn't happened. Yeah, you know what I mean? mean? Like, it's the same thing. Like you've probably met tons of people you definitely wouldn't have met and been exposed to a ton of people you you know because of the pandemic, and you decided to kind of you know do do something rather than just yeah yeah my, my network has grown massively mm. i mean like i was sort of well you know i've been doing it for a little while but i'm sort of well connected uh, in the poetry community but since since the pandemic like obviously i appreciate a lot of people died and I'm, I'm if i had the choice to be like you know pandemic or it not happening and everyone gets to live i'll go with the live one like everyone yeah, gets yeah. to live It'd be great but you know silver lining um yeah, silver lining is that my my network went from like you know let's say 20 people to now like three four hundred nice. so i know i can i'm i'm about 90 percent sure that if i were doing a gig in um any or well, any any city easily but any like town in england pretty sure someone i know would show up there. nice nice like even like no advertising if i was just like look i'm doing this i tell you what, i'm doing a gig i'm doing a gig tomorrow in um I'm doing a gig on the 19th. This doesn't go out to Tuesday, so this will be after the gigs happen. Uh, I'm doing a gig uh, on the 19th in Faversham, and I'm opening for John Cooper Clark actually, bizarrely nice. enough. Nice. Yeah, John Cooper Clark and uh, Johnny Johnny Green. But um, yeah, and I got a message today being like, "Yo, dude, I see that there's something going on in Faversham. Are you going to be there? Are you going to do a gig?" And I was just like, "Yes, I am. Thank you because I haven't advertised this very well." So yeah. Um, I actually did my first reading of uh, I saw a bird once. Nice. I'm very so, so talking about the book, 
Uh, so yeah. I'm just scribbling down John Cooper Clark. Um, um, my, my girlfriend hates John Cooper Clark. I love John Cooper Clark, but she once fell asleep at one of his gigs. But I had dragged her to an R Raider Rugged Man concert two days before, so she was definitely oh. knackered. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah talk, talking of the new book, so I saw a bird once. So I so this again is published by Whiskey and Beards. Uh, yeah. whiskeyandbids.co.uk now I knew nothing about the book we've obviously been chatting on Instagram a lot um, Connor was very kind so what I've discovered doing this with people that are authors and things like that it's great, it's so rad and sort of promoting people's work but when people send me a PDF of it oh I hate it it's such a yeah. like, proper killer so I was, you sort of said, do you want a hardback version or a PDF version? I was like, well, I probably prefer like the hardback version, dude. And then Connor sent me a copy and it was rad, but I had no idea what it was going to be about um, at, at all. Like I just assumed it was going to be a poetry book, obviously. Um, yeah. But actually, I really, really loved it. And there was, I swear, a moment I was on the train on Thursday going actually yesterday morning because I finished this yesterday morning um, because like I mean poetry books I don't I mean I'm sure lots of people are the same but I don't you can't just sit and read through a whole poetry but you need to kind of digest it in bits yeah. you know and that's the way that I was reading it but yesterday on the train it kind of it all kind of synced in my brain that what we we're actually or at least what I took away from it don't want to be wrong, you are the author, was that it's it's separate stories that intertwine throughout the book. But it hadn't, when I started reading it, I had no idea this is what I was going to read. And I remember when I first started reading it, um, my lady did, oh, she was like, what's it like? And I said, oh, man, actually, I really like it. There's this, there's this story that's running through it about a binman and and then I was talking to her about that bit, but actually what's running through it is I'm right. right with th it, there's like three stories that are running all the way through the book. And that's what I really liked. And it was yesterday on the train was when it really dawned and clicked on me. And it was yesterday on the train and genuinely dude. yesterday on the train. I was like, this might actually be a masterpiece. Like this, this, oh, might thanks. Be, this, this might actually be, you know, like, and it is, it's, it's so, uh, I don't know, it's it's like, there's these three stories that are intertwining, but it's almost like the narrative, like there's there's the parent trying to, trying to talk to the, you know, you know, the child, there's the Binman dealing with the fact that, he, you know, he's got racist dudes that he works with, but at the same time, you know, like he, you know, his, his kid and his, his, his wife are essentially the people that the dudes are being racist about, you know, like just in general. Uh, but then he's kind of, you know, like going through that bit of a crisis in his life where he feels like, you know, he looks at the other guys in the neighborhood. I mean, I'm explaining it terribly. You should read the book. It's very good. But, but it's like, and he's having that sort of crisis of, oh, if I didn't have my wife and kids, then I could be doing this. And I, you know, that sort of that weird, I'm sure we've all had it as a male where you're like, oh, if I, you know, if I didn't have this house and all of the things I've actually got to do and I was just rich, I could be dripping <laughs> in young girls getting drunk all day. You know what I mean? Like that sort of bullshit reality where you're like, no, dude, like that's probably not the way it is.
So, you know, and, and that's what I really liked about the book. But there was also stuff in there that I found really funny. There was stuff that I found really brutal. Like there's there's one that is, I, I'm going to see if I can actually find it. But um, there, there was stuff that made me laugh right now as well, because the one about the geezer that works in the office, where yeah. he, he asked the girl, the, he asked the woman in the office if she'd like to go out for a drink. It turns out she's married. And then they're all taking the piss out of him. Uh, oh, dude, like, again, it was just, it was really funny. And then he's trying to decorate his house, you know, and I'm currently decorating the house that we bought early last year and stuff. And it was just, yeah, I thought it was really, really funny. But there was, there's a couple of lines I picked up as well. One of them from... Uh, because all of the poems in the book don't really have names, do they? There's numbers and Roman numerals, but there's one from 10 where he's talking about a pub and he refers to it as the only second home any of us have. And I just thought that was really funny. I was like, yeah, so a proper geezer, I like a beer, you know? Like, so nags heads where even the patrons have boobs. Yeah, yeah. But it is, um, what I liked about it was, so you've been writing this through the pandemic as well, because this book, if I'm right, from the interviews I read, it's taken you four and a half years to put together. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, sorry, I just like, you know, all right. So this is, this is like the first like um, in-person interview. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. In-person interview that I've done about this book. Everything else has just been like, people have asked me questions. I've had to like write for like magazines and stuff. And, um, and that's really cool. But like, this is the first time I've had someone not give me feedback. I don't, I don't know. Like, Give me like literal, literal face-to-face praise. And I'm just like, ah, that's so exciting. <laughs> and the fact that you liked it. I mean, you could have just been like, this is fucking bullshit, bro. What have you done? No, because no, no, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't have you on. <laughs> I'd just be like, I'm really sorry. We can't talk about it. I hated it. So the one that I really liked was, um, oh, crap. So the one I found really funny and brutal is... Um, uh, XX, triple uh, X, I, 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 whatever that is in Roman numerals. What's that like? 302? I don't know. 32? 32? Okay, cool. Um, it was the one where it's Sarah, are you busy over the weekend? So it is that one. It's the one where he asked her out and it is just, I genuinely laughed out loud because I could just imagine mm-hmm. that happening. I mean, I could even imagine myself doing it, you know, yeah. like, you know, because you don't, especially in an office environment, you have no idea, but it's, but what really nailed, nailed in the, I'm doing a terrible way of explaining your book to people that are listening. Like what the hell is he talking about? Um, but there's, it's just the bit where he's already asked her out. She's told him she's got a husband. So he's feeling like an absolute douche, but he's also been calling her by the wrong name, yeah. which I just thought was the best. <laughs> it was just the best. Cause she was just like, it's Zara uh, with a Z babe, you know, and cause he, earlier in the poem, he calls her Sarah and you're just like, oh my God, dude. But that, but that's what I like about it. And I also like how um, the book reads. Um, so it's not all the same kind of poetry. Yeah. So, but you're the stories, the separate stories are the same kind of poetry, but they're all, each story is a different way of writing the poetry as well. Um, and it was funny because I really, when I first started reading it, um, you know, I liked it, but it was the Binman stuff straight away that kind of, that was the first bit that really drew me in because that's super early on, um, you know, and it's, I think it's just the way it starts off with my mate Baz, he ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. 
but he's got thoughts. And I just was like, oh, dude, so good. Like, so, and it's almost like each bit is written by a different person. So, yeah, but it, you feel the character. It was, it was so difficult, like, to do that as well. So I, I realized that um, in order to have the, uh, the office work, the office worker, uh, the, like, the relationship with the father and daughter and the, the bin man, which I actually put in the wrong order, but who cares? Um, it was so difficult to have to try and like write this like in some ways like the office worker is just like cripplingly depressing and also somewhat misogynistic and then the bin man is going to be like more like a jack the lad sort of like in my right when i was first writing this until i realized that my deadline was incredibly close and i needed to fucking get this out um i was going to change it so it was written in scottish like half my family is scottish so like it doesn't feel like i'm being a dickhead though. But um, yes, yeah, so I was going to make it so that the entire language was this this idea of uh, of a written Scottish guy doing a job, and um, yeah, and then for the the for the for Charlotte, who's the only character with a name, um, the only like main character with a name, um, hers is written in this like obscure. It is literally the thing that we were talking with, with earlier about how do you put the, the the poem on the page to make it have the impact that you want to have. Um, did you, can I ask you a question? You know that the bits that were in brackets um, in the what did you what did you think that is? Because I feel like it's I found you know out what? something really interesting. You know I have no idea. I have no idea. But but the way that you put it out, it made me it made me um, really focus on how that was presented. Yeah. So it almost gave it more impact. But at first, I first when I saw those bits. I was like, is this how you'd put it in a phone? Like, is this when you're using one of those horrible like arrow keys to do everything and you've got on, you know, like a digital keyboard or something? But I, I genuinely have no idea what they refer to, but it did make me so each of those parts I I had to almost read again, you know, yeah. as I was reading it in my head, and that then gave what I was reading more impact. Okay. So those that section, um, even though it's the shortest section of like, they've all got like 10 or so in them, apart from the office worker, there's like 40. But um, each one of those sections was by far the hardest thing I have ever had to write because each one is three different poems happening simultaneously. So there's the, there's the, uh, the answering machine, if you like, from the, um, from the father. There's yeah. then the, uh, the response that, uh, Charlotte then thinks about it and then there's the subconscious response that she has in her to her own response happening yeah so that was that was a fucking nightmare but um <laughs> and then the the reasons that they're in brackets with Eleanor next to them is because if did you ever see um this won't matter unless you unless you've read a magazine from the 70s it's just a just a thing that I decided with. but um they are in magazines that you got in the like 60s, 50s through to, might even be 40s, through to like the 80s or so, it used to be able to, if you went into like a girl's magazine or something, they'd have like um, figures of dance steps that you would then follow and uh. you'd learn how to do the dance. So her as like, you know, what she does and who she is fundamentally has these uh, dance steps of her trying to follow her own narrative. Oh, nice, nice. Good touch. It's so meta. It's so fucking meta. And so like, I mean, I could have left it out and it would have been fine. But I prefer that I didn't. 
Yeah. I, I, just, I like the fact that, like, um, even in her own mind, in her own discussions and in her own conversations, that she can be having to try try and follow this pattern that is relating back to some other people that have been in her life. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it it looks like it looks like a book, you know, and it, it reads like a book that took a lot of time, you know, like that. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I just I genuinely was sat on the train yesterday. And I was just like, this is, you know, like it's an amazing piece of work and I thoroughly enjoyed it to the point where I can't wait to see what else you put out because I'm yeah, I loved it, mate. I loved it. It's probably one of my favorite poetry books I've read in a while. Like, oh, just, yeah. yeah, the way. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I just I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm almost a little bit speechless, but just not it's it's one of them things where I just, I'll send you a copy of my book and it is not as uh, beautifully put together as this is, you know, like I don't write that sort of poetry, but I just love this. And it did make me think um, because I'm, you know, currently going through my brain about what, what my next collection is going to be and what I'm going to do with it. And it did make me think, you know, maybe, you know, like think differently about what and how I'm going to approach stuff. So, it's, and I really liked it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That's such high praise. I really appreciate that. So, like, thanks very much. Like, for me, the for me, the book was just like, if you, if I could do anything that I wanted in the world, I could choose any sort of poetry um, about anything. What would I do? And then the slow realization, I was like, I can in fact do that. Yeah, I could literally just do, do whatever I want. And like, like it's been like the book's um, HCE funded, so like. That's cool. <laughs> that's like, that's a that's a that's a high accolade. The books, but, the well, books what funded? Sorry. Uh, sorry, Arts Council England. Ah, okay, cool. So uh, Connor got yes, grant. Yes, yeah, there's the Arts Council England yeah. logo right at the beginning. That was loud. Um, so yeah, so I was just like, well, they're essentially going to be um, paying me of sorts, or like paying to have the book put together. So I was just like, well, what is something that I would like to do? Well, and not just something that I'd like to do, but what's something that challenges me to try and be, you know, not just a Grand Slam champion, not just uh, a poet that writes about like his sad fucking relationships. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's, yeah. what's something, how can I be different to everything else that, um, that I have been before? And how can I engage in like, a, not just the writing, but in like in the literary world in a fashion that is, I mean, like, We've been chatting for like, I have no idea how much time has passed, but we've been chatting for X amount of time. And if you were to, you know, look at this book and then and then look at me or like listen to me talking about stuff, you would not connect these two things very well, I don't think. Like just from like, you know, I, I, I used to, actually I almost said something that I'd have been like, probably would have cut that out if I'm honest. But um, yeah, I just, I wanted to do something that wasn't inherently um, who I was, but yeah. could be yeah. who I am. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, that's such a fucking wanky way of phrasing that. No, not at all. Not at all. Because it did make me think um, who you were, because I don't, you know, we don't know each other, you know, like apart from through social media. So it did make me wonder, you know, like all these characters and thinking about how you build it and how it was put together. And I, yeah, I mean, Dude, I absolutely loved it, and I can't wait to see whatever, what what else you put out. What I also like about it, 
apart from the fact it's through the independent whiskey and beards which is awesome what's the price of this right now uh i believe it's eight quid yeah which is pretty good i'm good with eight yeah. quid like I, yeah. you know i hate buying poetry books where they're like 15.99 and absolutely not <laughs> i know and i'm like no dude like unless it's hardback they've signed it yeah. it's embossed i'm not spending 15.99 yeah. on anything dude so you know <laughs> So yes, eight bucks is totally doable. You're supporting an independent publisher as well, which is rad. And yeah, I mean, and Connor, in my humble opinion, uh, wrote one of the best lines of poetry I've ever heard. So all good. Also, like just the, I appreciate no one can see this, but the the cover on it, like, is sick. Oh yes, like, yeah, yeah. Like my um, a very good friend of mine, uh, Fleur. She's a she's a tattooist, and I was like, would you be up for like designing my book cover? At first, she was like, "No, nah, don't worry about paying me." And I was like, "No, no, 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 I'm going to pay you. Of course, I am. Should that? Ah, we'll see. We'll see." And I said, like, "I can give you fifty quid for it. How does that sound?" And uh, which is like, "Fuck all!" <laughs> like realistically, and I, I like, I should have given her more. Um, I think I might like when I get a check through for um on sales whenever, whenever that. Happens, I think I might just like take her out for dinner or like. Oh, actually, I tell you what, the. I don't know if this is a good idea or not, and you can you can help me out. Um, the design on the book, I'm going to have done as a tattoo on me. Oh, amazing, amazing! I was just like, this, there's very few times in your life in which you can be like, you know, my, you know, she's like one of my best friends in the whole whole world. She um she drew me a picture for Christmas, which is fucking insane, and I wrote her a song, and I we spend uh, less time at the moment, so I'm quite busy. But in general, we spend a tremendous amount of time just like hanging out and like laughing and like goofing around and like it's really nice. So I was like, how often can I get something that is like the meaning of like why I'm a writer, designed by one of my best friends, and then pay them a tremendous amount of money to like do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When, when does that happen? Like, how how, how lucky? Mate, do you it's have good to though, but I mean, that's what I like. Yeah, I mean, that makes it just even more personal and mean even more. And I mean, yeah, just yeah, and it just make it makes you think. I mean, when I when I did was putting mine together, the front cover shot by a friend of mine because I wanted it to be a homie that that shot yeah. it and designed it because it just adds to that because it might never happen again. I could die tomorrow, but then I'll yeah. know that that is left and it is it is there for me you know so but anyway 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 enough about enough about that just a couple of quick questions and then i will let you go um one is if i know you did some poetry mentoring for young poets age 17 to 25 um what advice would you give to somebody that was looking into getting into spoken word poetry uh you know page poetry whatever it is you want to you know call it Okay, so as ridiculous as it sounds, everything that you make, keep it. Everything that you think is bad, everything that you think is shit, is trash, is like, you know, you're going to throw it out, you've written something terrible, don't, keep it. Keep all of it. Keep everything that you've written for two reasons. One, there's the chance that, like, what you've written now doesn't fit your exact narrative. And that's fine. It doesn't mean that it won't in the future. Mm. It might be that you come back in, you know, a week, a month, a year, five years, ten years, whatever, and you think... It's not that this poem was bad, it's that it wasn't finished. And you can take parts out of it and you can reshape it and you can make it anything that you want. And the other thing is that every single time that you create something, 
that didn't exist before. Any time that you put pen to paper, any time that you type something out, any time that you start recording yourself, you have created something that didn't exist. And that is fucking magnificent. You have brought something into existence just because you thought of it. And that's a fucking cool thing, man. I mean, as artists, we, we literally create the worlds around us. And we create the idea of who we are and we create the narrative of where we want to go and we create the stories that we want to tell. And that is fucking rad. Like, just think about that, man. Like, just, just for a second, it's just like, I, you know, this podcast, for example, this, in fact, this exact episode, if you and I, if you and Connor had never met because he hadn't decided to write a poem and you hadn't decided to go, this would have never have happened. Mm. This discussion about the book, this discussion about the, the artwork, this discussion about, the, about your book, about people that you know, about people that I know, about our entire histories, this moment would never have happened. And that yeah. would have been yeah. such a shame. Like, I've really enjoyed this. So that would have been such a, a disappointment. So I do feel yeah. that it kind of reminds me of those times when you, um, uh, you know, when I've spoken to people and they go, oh, I could have done that. And I'm always like, yeah, but you didn't, bruv. Like exactly. that's the difference. Like you didn't. Like you know, whether it be artwork, whether it be, you know, writing poetry, performing videos, whatever. It's like there's always that attitude for some people. Like, well, I could have done that, and you're like, yeah, but you didn't. You know, like, yeah. and yeah, I get you. I totally get you. And it is good. I find that our box is full of books, and every so often, I'll go through. And I definitely had that phase when I was very young, where I just wrote really angsty teenage poetry. But um, but yeah, but I mean, one of the things actually before you go, um, one of the things I talk about a lot about what influenced me as an artist is hip hop. Like the reason yeah. I write was because of listening to N.W.A. Um, you know, like that was the first time I put pen to paper was when I started to listen to ga gangster rap back then. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was an interview you did with Thanet Writers Meet Alex. Uh, it was cool. Yeah, it was called Thanet Writers Meet. Uh, uh, Alex Vellis, I nearly forgot your name then. I nearly forgot your last name then because I'd only written Alex V here. Um, and you talk about oh. hip hop playing a big part um, in helping spoken word breathe. But the actual quote that I pulled you on was you said, spoken word is hip hop without music. And I think that you do, you say some awesome stuff in that. And I think I, fi I find, and it harks back to that comment you said earlier where you told people that you're a poet and they're like, all right, you're unemployed. I remember when I first started telling people I was a poet and it felt kind of weird because I was a skateboarder. I hung out with a bunch of dudes and I'd been writing for years. I just, it was only when I started doing spoken word that I then actually was like, yeah, I'm a poet. And I remember feeling kind of uncomfortable the first few times that I said it. And for probably for quite a few years afterwards, whereas now I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm a poet. Like, you know, yeah. like, I, you know, because now I'm, I'm much more self, not self-assured, but I realize that not everybody does it, but it's that, um, it, it's, it's, I think sometimes poetry, the word poetry scares people off. Like I would hate somebody to think I'm not going to buy Alex's book because it's poetry, but it, it's so much more than that. And I think that hip hop, like your reference there, hip hop is the biggest selling music in the world. Yeah. And there isn't one mega hip hop artist that doesn't talk about poetry. I mean, like, look at how many, uh, look at how many like uh, gangster rappers from the '90s revert back to uh, Maya Angelou being a massive, massive influence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the poem "And Still I Rise" by Maya Angelou. In fact, the, that entire book, which is 
so I've, I've been trying to read a book of poetry a day, which is, by the way, insanely difficult and takes, yeah, thank God that I get to do my own hours. But um, yeah, it's probably out of all the books that I've read, it's the one that has uh, broken down the barrier of what poetry is and what it mm. can be. It's an amazing, I've got that book downstairs. I absolutely love it. Like, it's staggering. But again, but again, I've, I only have it because Hip Hop Bar has mentioned it. Like, exactly. that's, that's that's really <laughs> you know like the reason i love gil scott heron and i have books of gil scott heron all vinyls and stuff is because hip-hop artists gangster rappers used to talk about gil scott heron and then i started you know then i started listening to gil scott heron. and I'm, I'm like a kid like i live you know at that point i lived in the north so i had no idea about what this was about but yeah. you know it opened my horizons to things and i just thought i actually thought it was really good because it was just the way that you referenced it and I know it seems so, it seems like so obvious. I mean, it is obvious. It's but spoken word is hip hop without music, but it's that attitude sometimes people have. And you also talk in that interview about, I'm going, I'm not letting you go. It's like, I've got two questions, but you also that's talk in that interview about poetry being in adverts and making it more accessible. And again, that's another weird thing where people, people you meet and they're like, um, you know, or oh, who reads poetry? And you're like, well, dude, there's poetry everywhere. I mean, there's poetry in bank adverts, there's poetry at yeah. weddings, there's poetry at funerals, you know, like there's so much of it out there and it is in everyday life, but it's almost like people don't realize. There's a lot of it is, I think a lot of it has to do with the idea of uh, using the word, uh, using the phrase, I'm a poet and I'm a spoken word artist. And like, so this, this is actually quite interesting. Um, as if none of it else has been. No, uh, this is actually quite interesting. There's a, there was a time in the 90s in which the word spoken word artist started being proliferated. Um, yeah, started being proliferated. And um, there's two schools of thoughts on that. So there's two schools of, yeah, two schools of thought on that. And uh, one is that spoken word artist was started being used by uh, a newer generation of poets like that have been born out of the beat generation, out of the, uh, the 70s and 80s in which slam, 80s in which slam started being developed or started being, you know, done. So there's a way that like, you know, we as spoken word artists refer to ourselves as spoken word artists. But the other thing is that it's a class move by, uh, by traditional um, old white men poets, essentially, as a way to differentiate between who is actually a poet and who is a spoken word artist. So there's like this, there's this divide. And because of that, you know, when you're taught poetry in school, you're taught this like, um, you know, like, oh, we're going to read World War I poetry, even though it has absolutely no connection to you as a 13 year old whatsoever. And it's like, I appreciate that like now as an adult, I'm just like, yeah, no, I do actually dig it, but I rate it. But it's only because I've chosen to look into it. At the time, I was just like, just fucking put a bullet in me. Do you know what I mean? Probably oh yeah, reference. the old classics that they used to drag out at school, and then you just, yeah, and then, but but then I suppose as well that 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 historically, and I'm totally down with the old the old dude the old guard. When I first started performing around yeah. London, there, I felt like there was a lot of old guard. There was a lot of clicks, and I wasn't part of any because I didn't live in London. I had to yeah. travel in to do the gigs and stuff. But yeah, I definitely feel that. But I also feel that sometimes being shown that the World War II poetry and all that sort of stuff. When you do eventually stumble across something you like, like for me, it was Benjamin I was a big door opener. Like yeah. as a kid, all of a sudden, this big black dude with dreadlocks who does poetry I'm really into, it was, it was kind of insane because all I'd done was either hip hop or the stuff that they made you learn at school, you know, like, so 
But mate, 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 anyway, we could go on forever, but we do have to wind this up at some point. Your book, I Saw a Bird Once, is available. Your launch pot is actually on the 26th of February, right? Yeah, well remembered. Boom. Yeah. Can you buy yeah. this yet? Uh, yeah, so you can get it at, um, you can get it on the Whiskey and Bids website. Whiskeybids.co.uk. Uh, thank you. Uh, at Harbour Books in Whitstable. Sick. Um, I know. They just got a shipment through and I was about, I saw it and I, was, I saw my book in a bookshop and I was like, you know, like fucking shit twice and died. Do you know what I mean? It was fucking nice. wild. But, um, and you will be able to order it in, uh, no, sorry, order it in. You will be able to get it in uh, Waterstones in Canterbury. Awesome. And if you go to any bookshop uh, anywhere in England, I think, you can have them order it in specifically for you. So, oh, I get to use that. I get to use that phrase. It's available at any good retail outlet. Nice. Which is, I thought it's like such a such a scathing th thing to say that any retail outlet that sees it is like I'm a good retail outlet. I should get yeah. that book in. <laughs> but um, yeah, so just you can literally order it in any in anywhere. It's on like Gardeners, so um, which means nothing for me up until like recently. But um, yeah, nice, it's the, it's nice, nice. Well, mate, Sorry. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, and like I say, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Like, honestly, it means such a great deal. I'm, I'm hard to read your book. Tonight. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Well, there you go. Another episode of the Skateboarder and Podcast Down. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do, and we ask this every week is get onto iTunes or SoundCloud, but iTunes specifically, and give us a five-star review. That really helps us get out there within the iTunes charts. You can also go find us on Instagram, which is at skateboarderand, and basically repost the cover so that it sends people to our Instagram page. On there is a link that when they click it, it takes them to the most appropriate platform where they can find the episode. So if they're on an Apple phone, it will take them to iTunes or the podcast app. And if they're on an Android phone, it will take them to SoundCloud or wherever else we happen to store these episodes. Either way, as usual, my name is Matt Lloyd. I'm your host. You can find out more about me at www.mattloyd.com and that's Matt with one T or on Instagram and Twitter at Matt Lloyd Poet. Well, that's enough plugging. Let's just keep it the same as we ever do. Keep supporting your local skate scene, keep supporting your local skate shop and keep rolling.